Well, I've been gone for the past uh, two weeks, but this fall we've been working our way through some of the major characters and major stories in the book of Genesis. And while I was gone, our assistant pastor, Justin Jones, uh, introduced you to the character Jacob. And so, uh, and two highly, I mean, just excellent sermons. Um, I hope that you uh, would get online if you happen to miss one of those Sundays and listen to those sermons. Um, but it, anyway, it falls to me this morning uh, to conclude our looking at Jacob with this famous story of Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis chapter 32. So, so let's read this passage together. It's Genesis chapter 32, and we're going to read verses 22 through 32. And if you want to follow along, it's on page 27 of the Bibles in the pew. So let's give our attention now to God's holy and inerrant word. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the ford in the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh." grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Uh, Let's go before him and ask for his help as we seek to talk about this passage together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are dependent upon you, and it is right that we come to you and ask for your help. Father, would you pour out your Spirit in order that you you would be our teacher this morning? in order that you would reveal to us, even in this passage in Genesis of Jacob wrestling with you, that you would reveal to us Jesus, in whom is our hope and our salvation and the blessing we long for in this life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I want to try something a little different this morning, uh, and that is I want us to start uh, by thinking about a question, and then I pretty much want to leave that question alone until I get to the end of my sermon. Um, so, but here's the question. What do you need in your life in order for you to truly 
and honestly face reality without being shaken. And here's why I'm starting with that question. When we meet Jacob in this story, he's been on the run for 20 years of his life. He had deceived his twin brother Esau for his birthright blessing, and he's been on the lamb ever since. He's been running, right? He's been running from facing the reality of who he is and what he's done. But in this story, Jacob's coming home, and he's preparing to meet his brother Esau and face the reality of who he is and what he's done. So what does he need? And what do you need to be able to face reality truly and honestly without being shaken? I'm going to just give you the highlights of a favorite illustration of mine that came when I was watching this game show years ago. It's been canceled because it was so controversial. It was a game show called The Moment of Truth. Um, And the contestant was this woman, and she had been hooked up to a polygraph, a, a lie detector. And all she had to do was answer questions truthfully, and she would win piles and piles of money. Um, but part of the catch was that she had to answer these questions in front of her husband and her parents on live TV. And some pretty damaging stuff was coming out in these questions, very, very personal stuff. And she admitted to things like her vindictiveness with her siblings. She admitted to having an affair on her husband. Um, it was the first time he was finding out was on this game show. And she admitted that she thought she should be married to someone else in front of her husband. Um, all of this in front of her husband, parents, and millions of people watching on TV. You know what question she lost on? After all of that revelation, the host of that game show asked her if she thought she was a good person. And she said yes, and the polygraph went crazy. She was shocked by it. I mean, she didn't think it was a lie. And that, and what I'm saying, that's how deep the denial was in her life. How deeply she was avoiding reality. And I don't want to be too confrontational right out of the gate, but this is something for all of us to think about. Maybe, just maybe, truly and deeply and honestly facing reality is not as easy as we think it is. Author Dan Allender wrote, it's in our human nature to prefer the illusion because we have a deep need to be buffered from reality. Most of us, probably most of us in this room, would like to think of ourselves as vulnerable and transparent and real and authentic. But the Bible says we're all born on the run, running from reality in deep and profound ways, and we might not even know it. So what do you need in your life to truly and honestly face reality without being shaken, without being crushed by it? I'll tell you what Jacob needed. 
He needed a wrestling match with God himself. That's what enabled him. That's what readied him to face reality. And I want to argue with you this morning that that's what you need too. So let's talk about this wrestling. Here's what I want us to see. I want to see first what we're really wrestling for in life. And then second, I I want us to see uh, and understand the one who wrestles with us. And then finally, I want us to talk about how to win the wrestling match, okay? What we're wrestling for, the one who wrestles with us, and how to win the wrestling match. So first, what we're wrestling for. I I really feel the need to apologize for the corny sermon title in your bulletin. Um, I hope that it didn't turn you off too much uh, before we got to this point. But I really am not trying to pull any punches here because that's it. That is what we're wrestling for. We are all wrestling for blessing in this life. Now, I know that the word blessing, it's kind of like a Christianese kind of word. It gets thrown out of there a a, a whole lot without very much definition. But I think this story can help put some meat on the bones, that this story can help make that concept of blessing more concrete and more understandable to us. So here we are, and we know that Jacob was wrestling for a blessing, right? Because of verse 26, Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's what he was after. Now, let's back up. And think with me about Jacob's life. Because this story in Genesis chapter 32, it is the culmination of Jacob's entire life. He has always in his life been wrestling for blessing. Right? As twins in the womb, the Bible tells us that Jacob and Esau were wrestling. When these twins were born, Jacob came out grasping his brother Esau's heel wrestling. And then when the boys were older, we get the story of Jacob deceiving his father to get his father's verbal blessing that was intended for Esau. You remember this? He dressed up like Esau, and he went into his father who was going blind so that his father would pronounce a blessing over him. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about what his motivation must have been? I mean, because surely he knew he was going to be caught like 30 seconds after he left his father's tent, right? But why would he do this? What must he have been after? Esau, his brother, was a man's man. I mean, he was a hunter, he was a gatherer, he was strong, and he he was the favorite son. He was the apple of his father's eye. You know what Jacob craved? He craved his father's favor. He so wanted to hear from his father's lips that he was loved and delighted in that if he couldn't get it legitimately, he would trick his father. I mean, just for a moment to have those words of favor and blessing wash over him. You know, then Jacob fled And he spent years working for his uncle Laban, years and years to get to marry Rachel. Now, ask yourself this, what if that story wasn't all about romance? Think about it like this. What's the great fantasy that's involved 
either in a kind of romantic lust or even a pornographic lust. It's the fantasy that someone beautiful like that, that someone strong and handsome like that could desire me. See, if Jacob could get the love of beautiful Rachel, maybe that would be the blessing he sought. Because if she loves me, then maybe I'm lovable. And then before Jacob left Laban, he he worked really hard, became an incredibly successful businessman with tons of wealth. And maybe that would be the blessing he craved, something he could look at and say, well, now I'm important. Now I know I matter. Now I know I'm enough. Do you see this? His whole life, he's been wrestling for God's blessing. The blessing he's been chasing all of his life, from his father, from romantic love, from his career, has been some objective voice speaking into his life and telling him, you're enough, you matter, you're delighted in, you're approved, you're treasured. I love the story of Jacob. I really do. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Um, And the reason is, is because looking at Jacob is like looking in a mirror for me. I mean, Jacob is such a dysfunctional person. And he's got such a dysfunctional family. And if you know anything about me, you know I've got those bases covered. And I see my life as a wrestling match wrestling for blessing, the ways in which I have turned my relationships with friends and coworkers and peers into these grand auditions for approval in my life. The ways I hunger for success and status to tell me that I matter and that I'm enough the many ways in my life that I feel so restless because I'm trying to prove that I'm enough. And I'm guessing that maybe some of you can relate to that. Listen, if you don't recognize this impulse in you, this wrestling for blessing, I'm not trying to speak down to you, but you're not even in the game yet. We're not talking psychology here. You know, Jacob had daddy issues. This is anthropology. We are all born into this world hungry for blessing. And our lives play out as a wrestling match, grasping for blessing. So at the top of your bulletin, I included some lyrics from U2's song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And I kind of hate that because it's very predictable, very cliche that a 40-year-old something white guy would quote you too. But, um, but I, that's, that's my time period, right? I love the beautiful honesty of that song because he's saying, I've been chasing the blessing. I've been wrestling for it all my life. I've climbed the highest mountains. I've run through fields. I've run, I've crawled, I've scaled city walls. 
right? I've kissed honey lips and felt the healing in fingertips, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And here's the deal. Until you find the ultimate blessing you've been looking for your whole life, you have a vested interest in avoiding reality in your life, in preferring the illusion. An identity built on the approval of your peers or your achievements or your success or even your morality, you know it. It is far too fragile to hold up to very much scrutiny at all. But here's the thing. What if you finally got this blessing and knew deep in your bones that you were delighted in, that you were completely loved and perfectly accepted? If you knew that, you know this. You would become unshakable. And you could face reality honestly without being terrified by it. It's a bit of a teaser, but let's keep going with this. Second, the one who wrestles with us. The story starts out mysteriously. Who is this man who's jumped Jacob in the middle of the night? Verse 24. The hint slowly dawned on Jacob that this man was none other than God himself, and we're given the same hints that Jacob got. So the first hint is in verse 25 when God touched his hip and put it out of socket. A touch, right? And bam, Jacob is crippled for life. Right? This is not an ordinary man he's dealing with. The second hint is this fear about the approaching dawn in verse 26. It's a warning uh, to Jacob. Jacob, you do not want to see me face to face in the light of day. And that's, of course, why Jacob is filled with wonder at the end, and he named the place Peniel in verse 30, because he had caught a glimpse of God's faith, maybe just an outline as the dawn was breaking, and Jacob is saying, and I live to tell the tale. This was God. Right, and the third hint is when Jacob said in verse 29, please tell me your name, and God said, why is it that you ask my name? And, and God was ba- basically saying, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob you know who I am. I mean, who else could I possibly be but God himself? So the one who wrestled with Jacob and the one who wrestles with us is God. The one who wrestles with us is God. God is a wrestler. See, most of us think that if we really met God and encountered him, if he revealed himself to us, then everything in our lives would be okay. And we would be at peace, and it would center our lives and bring balance to our lives and all this kind of stuff and calm. But that is not the God of the Bible. God is a wrestler who, when you meet him and encounter him, he knocks you off balance, right? And knocks your life off center. That's one of the ways you know you're dealing with the real God. Remember Moses trembling before the burning bush. Or you remember Isaiah when he saw God and encountered him and he called down curses upon himself. God is a wrestler and when you meet him, he throws your life off balance. One of my favorite stories is of Jesus' disciple Peter when they were out fishing one day. And Jesus said, cast your nets over the side. And they caught all this this huge number of fish. Um, But it wasn't just fish that Peter caught. 
that day. He also caught a glimpse of Jesus' divinity. And it didn't make him happy or calm. It, it threw him off balance and he said, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Now, why does God meet Jacob and us like this? I mean, why couldn't God just meet Jacob in a meadow somewhere with a rainbow in the background and butterflies and all that kind of stuff? It's because Jacob is a lot like you. Jacob didn't need information. He needed an experience, an experience of God. Here's Jacob in all his dysfunction, and he's a liar, and he's a deceiver, I mean, that's what the name Jacob means, if you remember the story. He's a manipulator, and he's calculating, and he's cunning. His whole life he's been relying on his strength, his wisdom, his cunning to survive. So on this night, he was wrestling with all his strength and all his might. But the one he was wrestling with is someone who can just touch his hip, And his leg falls apart, and he's crippled for life. Why does God come like a wrestler to wound us? I mean, the two things Jacob walked away from this encounter with God were a blessing and a limp that went with him the rest of his life. C.S. Lewis famously wrote that when pain comes into our lives, it insists upon being attended to. It's true in all sorts of ways. Physically, this, this past week, um, there's one day, I got this terrible headache. And I just didn't get anything done that day. Um, because I had this pain all day long, and it insisted on being attended to. It got all my focus, all my energy. And the same is true about relational pain in your life, and emotional pain, and psychological pain, and spiritual pain. Lewis wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Just think about it. What's happening when your life is racked with just fear and insecurity because you're terrified of being exposed? When all the things you hoped in life would give you the blessing you crave, begin to crumble in your life? What's happening when relational trauma exposes in your life how needy you are for approval? What's happening when financial crisis comes and exposes how you measure your value, your worth, your security by the size of your bank account? What's happening when your morality is suddenly called into question by the twistedness of your own motives? Most of us in those moments, we panic, and we might even feel abandoned by God in those moments, like He must not care because of how afraid we are and how off balance everything is in our lives, and everything's going wrong. But what if you're dealing with a God who's a wrestler? Then maybe to meet Him really does feel like disequilibrium and crisis. He's shouting in your pain. 
His blessing and his words of approval and pleasure and delight in you is the only thing that can satisfy you. Everything else is far too fragile. Everything else cannot stand up to the scrutiny. He's wrestling you to the ground, not to give you information, but to give you himself. Okay, finally and third, how to win the wrestling match. I'm just going to give you a few practical observations here. Um, How to win the wrestling match. First, to win the wrestling match, you have to meet God personally. Right? Jacob sent his family across this river, and it was when he was all alone that God met him. Verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. You have to deal with this God yourself personally. No one can do it for you. Have you met him personally? See, it's possible for you to do a lot of things. You can come to church every, every week, and you can volunteer to teach Sunday school and serve on a committee, and you can volunteer at Cordova Elementary School and take notes in your church bulletin. Um, you can be very, very active and really be avoiding dealing with God personally. Are you getting quiet with him in prayer? I mean, in prayer, are you going to him in prayer, not just to get things from him, but to be quiet and get him? What about reading his word? Not to win an argument or, you know, get more information, uh, know more information about him, but really to know him. And to know his heart. So you've got to get alone. You've got to meet God personally. But second, to win the wrestling match, you also need to release your hold. Jacob was a self-reliant man. He knew how to survive by his own cunning and strength and street smarts. He'd worked so hard in his life to be self-sufficient. But in the middle of this wrestling match, God asked Jacob, what is your name? Verse 27. And all he said was Jacob. Of course that was his name. (laughs) But remember what his name meant. His name meant he was a deceiver, a supplanter, a manipulator. What I'm suggesting to you is that his name was his confession. He was repenting. And that's why as soon as he released his hold on his self-reliance and he said, this is who I really am, that he got a new name, Israel, because now he had a new identity, right? This sounds eerily like Jesus saying, the only way to find your life is to lose your life. You've got to release your hold on all your attempts to merit and earn this blessing. Third, To win the wrestling match, you need to tighten your hold. At the same time you let go, you have to grab hold tightly. Just Can you imagine this, wrestling for an entire night? Most of us can maybe wrestle two minutes. I'm kind of out of shape. I might last 30 seconds uh, really wrestling. Um, But let's add something to the equation. 
What would it be like for you to keep on wrestling all throughout the night with a dislocated hip? I think I can make a case that Bo Jackson, who played professional baseball and football, is in one of the top, he's at least in the top three greatest athletes ever. Do you know what ended Bo Jackson's career prematurely? A dislocated hip. Couldn't come back from it. And here's Jacob wrestling all night long, exhausted and in tremendous pain. And here's my point. You've got to want something pretty bad. Uh, Scratch that. You've got to want something more than anything else to hold on through that exhaustion and that pain. And what Jacob realized in this wrestling match was this. He realized, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. I've been looking for it in my parents, in my spouse, in my career. Some kind of proof that I'm valuable, that I'm lovable, that I'm enough, that I'm delighted in. And here's what Jacob's coming to the realization of. But if I could get God's smile, and if I knew he loved me, and if I got his approval, then nothing else could ever shake me in life. To win, you need to tighten your hold on God in the person and work of Jesus. You know, if we had to boil all of this down, what would we say about how to win the wrestling match? I think we'd have to put it like this, that the only way to win is through losing. And that's true of you and me. It's true of Jacob. You can only win through losing. And it's also true of God himself. Do you remember the, the time when Jesus, he went out to be baptized by John in the Jordan River? It's a fascinating story. There he is being baptized by John in the Jordan <laughs> River, and the heavens, we're told, were ripped asunder, opened up. This dove came down, and this voice from heaven sounded. And what did that voice say? It said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus' father in that moment was pronouncing blessing over his son. He was doting over him. He was beaming in rapturous delight over his son, assuring him of his love. But why was Jesus getting baptized? I mean, he didn't have anything to repent of. So why was he in the Jordan River? Don't you see, he came into this world to win through losing. And he came to stand in your place, to lose his life so that he could have you forever. When he was on the cross, he was in your place. And he didn't feel the touch of God's finger dislocating his hip. He felt the full weight of God's justice and wrath in your place. And if you believe that, you can know and be assured that God now looks at you 
And he is beaming in rapturous delight over you. And he's saying about you, if you believe in Jesus, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. I'm satisfied in them. And I delight in them. There's a great question for you to ask this passage. Go back and read it. Who won this wrestling match? I mean, on the one hand, we'd have to say Jacob, he prevailed, verse 28. And yet, he's the one who leaves the wrestling match limping for the rest of his life, right? I think the answer that the the passage is, is pointing us to is that both Jacob and God won, and they both won through losing. Right, God won Jacob. He rescued this scoundrel and gave him a new identity as his dearly loved child. And Jacob won the blessing he'd been chasing his whole life. He knew the God of the universe delighted him in him, smiled upon him, forgave him, right? Favored him, treasured him, and loved him. And you know what? After this passage, Jacob is now ready to meet Esau. He's ready to face reality. And this is how I want to end. If you knew deep in your bones that God loved you like this, you could also finally face reality without being shaken. I mean, you could own your flaws. You could see your brokenness without being crushed by it. You could live unafraid and with real confidence. You could finally rest in this life. So my question to you is, have you met the wrestling God? And will you find this freedom by clinging to Jesus and winning through losing? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that week in and week out, um, as we open your word wherever we are in Genesis or in Revelation, on every page, you reveal to us Jesus. You point us to him, the one who came and won through losing. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us that you would give us your spirit and give us faith and repentance so that we might do the same, that we might win through losing by abandoning all our efforts at getting this blessing and earning this blessing and meriting this blessing and get this blessing by holding tightly to Jesus who came and suffered and died and rose from the dead in our place so that we could know that we have your smile forever and ever. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.